Okay, well, so uh, it feels like a long time since I last spoke because we've had Christmas in between. Um, but uh, those of you who do remember um, will, will remember that I started off by asking the question about what is God like and um, the importance that we understand what God is like. And so we looked at a passage from Exodus where God uh, reveals his nature to Moses. And um, I want to have a look at that passage again this morning. But just so that uh, there's a bit of a, a recap in case some of you missed it, of the context of that passage, um, when God speaks to Moses and, and talks about his character, he's just brought the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt. He's miraculously parted the Red Sea. He's led them through. He's brought them into the desert. He's reaffirmed his promise to them that he is going to lead them into the promised land. And he set out the terms of his covenant with them. And the people have said, yes, we will obey you. We will follow you. So at this point, Moses is then back up the mountain, receiving the terms of that covenant, the commandments in writing from God. But while he's up the mountain, the people uh, decide that they uh, can't wait, and they ask Aaron to make them a statue, a golden calf, and start to worship that statue. So it's been less than a month and the people can't actually keep the first two commandments. Now, despite this, Moses asked God not to give up on his people. And God agrees. And this is where we come to the passage in Exodus 33, verse 19. And God declares, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And then he goes on in uh, chapter 34. So the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So despite the fact that his people have just completely rejected him and started to worship an idol, he is declaring that he is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's quite incredible, isn't it? So last time we talked about the fact that God is merciful. And today I want to talk about God is gracious. Now the Hebrew words for grace and mercy are closely connected. But today I want to dig a little bit deeper into this word for grace. Just to understand how amazing it is. So in Hebrew, the word for gracious is Hanan. I don't know if you want to try that. Hanan. <clears throat> I probably won't carry on saying it like that because I'll get a sore throat. But it comes from the word hen, okay? And hen is something that we're drawn to because it's delightful. It's the word that is used also in the Old Testament to describe a beautiful jewel or the wonderful words of a poet. It's something that's worth treasuring, something that is beautiful. 
Another way that the word is used in the Bible is when someone asks to be treated favorably, like treasure. So to find hen in the eyes is to find, to look with favor on someone. And it's used exclusively when someone of a higher status looks with favor on someone of a lower status. So hanan means to bestow hen, favor, delight, value upon someone. So giving the gift of hen is always motivated by delight. So an example of uh, someone bestowing hen is when Queen Esther goes to visit King Xerxes. So if you remember the story, the queen goes to visit the king to ask that he would spare her people, the Jewish people. Although she was queen, in that culture, she was little more than the king's possession. She had no specific rights. So she was someone of low status that was coming to someone of high status to ask for favor. And the king was not obliged to grant her request. But it says that because he delighted in her, he shows favor, hen, to her. Now, having looked at the context of these verses in Exodus, it seems incredible that the Almighty God doesn't just is not just merciful and spares his people from the destruction and the judgment that they deserve, but he's also extending his favor to an undeserving people, to a people who've rejected him, a people who've turned his back on him, a people who've failed him miserably. Now, when we consider what I've just said about the meaning of that word, ken, grace, it's a beautiful gift but it's a gift that's given generously with delight to an undeserving people. So it's not just like a gift that's given to someone who who doesn't deserve it, but it's kind of begrudgingly given. Well, I better do it. It's given with delight. It's given with generosity. A gift to the undeserving that's given with delight and generosity. Now, you know what it feels like when you bought a gift for somebody and you know it's exactly what they want. And you're excited about giving the gift because you know they're going to be really pleased with it. There's that sense of delight and expectation that we have in giving that gift. But that's nothing in comparison to what God feels, the delight that God has in generously giving us his grace, his favor. Now, I used to struggle with that whole concept of God loving me. So I knew that he loved me because the Bible said so. Uh, And I knew that he'd saved me. But I kind of felt it was a begrudgingly given salvation, a begrudgingly given love. I hadn't really grasped the delight that came with that gift, the love that was behind it. God doesn't save us because he has to. He saves us because he chooses to, because he delights in us. He delights to save us, to bless us, to love us, to transform us. That's what grace is all about. God treasures us. He called the Israelites his treasured possession. We saw last time that, you know, we are 
a people in need of mercy. We're sinful. We're deserving of death and judgment. God's mercy spares us the judgment that we deserve. But God's grace blesses us with the favor we don't deserve. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek word for chen is charis, which means gracious gift. It's something that brings joy and delight. In fact, the root word actually means rejoice. This is a gift that brings joy. Now, we've just been celebrating the gift of Jesus at Christmas. Jesus came as God's gift to us, a gift to bring us joy, a gift given by delight, with a God, by a God who treasures us, who delights to bless us. Not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious. Now, when Jesus comes into the world, John describes him in John 1 like this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus was full of grace. He was perfect in grace. He was God's glorious gift of grace to us. He became human, sent into a world of darkness and sin, that gift of grace to rescue us. Jesus came as God's generous gift, the gift of life. And as we understand that meaning of grace, the generosity, the, the fact that it's a beautiful gift. It's not surprising that this gift of life is abundant life, is eternal life. It's a life that is stronger than death. This is the generous gift that he longs to give all people. Ephesians 1, verse 7 to 8, says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of of God's grace that he lavished on us. I love the way Paul talks about God's grace being lavished on us. That word means superabundant, overflowing, extraordinary, supreme, more than necessary. That's a lot. There is such generosity, overflowing abundance, no holding back in this gift of grace. How do we receive this gift? By faith. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Salvation is the gift of God. It has been given to us. We just have to believe it to receive it. We need to believe that God's heart towards us 
is a heart of a generous giver, that he sees us as his treasured possession. We need to just believe that this gift is for us, this gift of life through Jesus. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't take any credit for it. Romans 11 verse 6 says, And if he chose them by grace, it is not for the things they have done. If they could be made God's people by what they did, God's gift of grace would not really be a gift. So a gift is not earned. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift, would it? It would be wages, payment for what we have done. So those of you who are working, if you get your paycheck at the end of the month, you don't go to your employer and say, thank you for that amazing gift, do you? You earned that. That's your wages. But Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we actually deserve, what we have earned, is death because of our sin. But what we receive is the undeserved gift of eternal life. This is amazing, isn't it? This saving grace. But it's not just for salvation. Grace is for every day. Having received this gift of salvation by grace, we need to live each day in grace. In other words, we live every day in the knowledge that God is gracious and we deserve nothing, but we have everything because of his grace towards us. We're not trying to please him. We're not trying to earn his approval in that sense, his acceptance. We already have it. We have his acceptance because of his grace. Everything we receive in our Christian life comes by grace not works. We don't get filled with the Holy Spirit because we're good enough. We don't, get, we don't receive our healing or wisdom or food on the table because we're good enough. We don't deserve anything from God, do we? He has chosen to bless us, to empower us, to provide for us, to guide us because he's gracious so how do we receive this day-by-day -day grace? By coming to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The word there for confidence, it means freedom in speaking unreservedness in speech, free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage, boldness, assurance. That is how we can come to the throne of grace. It is a throne. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is seated on that throne. We come in humility before the King, but it is a throne of grace. The one who sits on that throne 
is the one who is full of grace. Because God is gracious, we can come to this throne in confidence. We can be confident that our sins are not getting in the way. That our mistakes won't prevent God from receiving or hearing us. We are confident that he will not reject us. Confident that he will forgive us. Confident that he will extend his mercy towards us and his grace. Confident that he will answer our prayers. We can come with unreservedness in speech. We can be open and honest, knowing our God who is gracious will not reject us. He is longing to extend his favor, his love towards us, his treasured possession. And when we come to that throne of grace, we can receive the grace that is sufficient for us. It's that very familiar verse in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. Paul speaking, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. In the passage we just read from Hebrews 4, it talks about grace to help us in our time of need. This passage talks about grace that is more than enough in times of weakness. How does the grace of God help us in our weakness, in our need? It's interesting, actually, the connection between grace and power. In Acts 4, when we read about the early church in verses 33 to 34, we read, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. And Paul talks about himself in Ephesians 3. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And Paul gives instructions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Daryl spoke a few weeks back about our hearts being strengthened by grace from Hebrews 13. Grace has the power to strengthen us, to transform us. We are saved by grace, and we need to live by grace. We can't can't save ourselves, and we can't live this life without grace. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He continues to give out of grace, to give us all that we need to live in victory. Verse 37 goes on to say, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors because of his grace, because we receive the victory that he gained on the cross, that he won. And this victory includes victory over sin. Receiving the abundant grace of God doesn't mean that sin no longer matters. Paul answered this question really clearly in Romans. 
In Romans chapter 5, he just explained about the wonderful grace of God and then goes on in Romans 6 to say, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? As I said last time, God, does still, God still does not ignore sin. We can receive mercy and be forgiven. We, receive, we can receive the gift of grace and blessing of God. But that should cause us to want to live a holy life, a life that pleases him. Grace is given so that we can be transformed. This gift of new life is in replacement for the old one. If you have a heart transplant, the surgeon is not going to leave your old heart in, your, in there just so that you can use it if you fancy. The old one is removed and the new one is placed into your body. We have a new life that's supposed to replace the old one, not to be in addition to it so that we can draw on the old life when we feel like it. Now we know that the old life takes a while to die and we're still in that process. And that is where grace enables us to be transformed. The, this wonderful gift of grace, it's supposed to change our lives. Not just our eternal destiny, but our daily living life. And that includes how we behave towards others. So last time I talk, when I talked about mercy, I talked about how we need to extend mercy to those around us. But we too should extend grace to others. We are called to be gracious, to extend grace, to be generous in our giving of blessing to those around us. Remember, we do not deserve the gift of grace. That's why it's grace. And the way that we treat others should come from a heart of grace. So Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Remember that grace means that which brings joy, delight, and pleasure. So when our aim when we speak is to bring joy to those around us. Is it? In these challenging times, it's easy, isn't it, to grumble and complain? Let's be honest. Anybody else been grumbling and complaining lately? No, it's just me. Oh, great. I feel really good now. <laughs> it is even easier, I think, when times are hard. But I think we have an even greater opportunity and responsibility to ensure that our words are full of grace, bringing joy and blessing to others. So at this Christmas time, we remember the greatest gift, the gift of grace, Jesus. A gift given with delight by a father who loves his children and treasures them. And as we head into 2021, we can be absolutely confident that our God who is gracious will give us the grace we need to face whatever lies ahead. Jesus really is the gift that keeps on giving. Every day, we can receive his grace. 
every day. Let us come to that throne of grace to receive all that we need. And if you've never received that gift of grace today, perhaps you're watching online this morning, if you've never received that gracious gift, that free gift, you can. And if you get in touch with us and the contact details that will come up at the end, please let us know. We'd love to help you with that. Andy, if you'd like to come up, if the band would like to come up. I'm just going to pray as we close. Lord, I thank you this morning for your incredible grace. Lord, we, we can't get our head around it. We can't grasp it. It's just more than we can ask or imagine. Your grace, your blessing, Lord, that you would favor us, that you would look with favor upon an undeserving people. Lord, we thank you this morning. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone today that struggles to to grasp, as I did, that whole concept of how much you delight in us and how much your heart is full of grace towards us, to, to want to bless us as your treasured possession. Lord, I pray that they will have a fresh revelation this morning of your grace. Lord, and for each one of us in our own individual situations, Lord, we need your grace. We cannot do this life on our own. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. It is more than enough. And we worship you this morning and praise you for your incredible, amazing grace. We thank you that you are gracious. And we thank you that that grace will never end. It will never fail. It will never run out on us. It is always enough. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.